Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast for April 16th, 2019. I am your host, David Dole. And uh, coming up on today's show, I uh, have a couple segments that I shot for YouTube that uh, you will hear. Uh, the first one is Pelosi belittles AOC wing of the party. And the other one is Eric Swalwell's loony 2020 plans for bipartisanship. But before I get there, let me just chat for five, ten minutes. Now, if you're a patron, you see me on camera right now, uh, but I'm not paying attention to you <laughs> on camera. This is... Uh, so. It's kind of interesting uh, how I'm doing this because this is the this intro here is a uh, video content for patron uh, for patrons, uh, but it's I mean it's its main point is is an audio podcast. So there definitely is something different when you are speaking for a podcast or a radio show versus when you're on camera because when you're on camera you do sort of have to uh, perform a little bit. And that doesn't mean, you know, you put on uh, a phony persona or anything, but it, it means that you have to speak to the camera. You have to engage people visually as well as, you know, with your with your words. But uh, I do like this, this process of just speaking to the mic and not having to care about the camera. It, it kind of it, it makes you feel a little more laid back, uh, a little more at ease, not having to be so concerned about, um, I don't know, visually engaging people. Not that it's it, it, it's the kind of thing where I, I don't even know exactly know how to define it. Because while I do act differently when I know I'm going to be on camera, I don't really know in what way. It's sort of uh, It's sort of innate. In, in how I go about it. I don't really think about how I'm going to act, but I, there is something different about being on camera versus being on just on the radio. But I don't want to get too deep into this topic. I feel like this is not uh, this, this is not going to be interesting to most people. But um, I do want to talk a little bit about a couple things that uh, happened yesterday. First being the Notre Dame Cathedral, which went up in flames. Now... So well, I mean, it should be say, said that it, it is still saved. I mean, the the uh, the cathedral is still there; it's not burned to the ground. It was really just the the roof, the steeple that that collapsed. Um, but man, those were some powerful images. I mean, I was there in September. I was in Paris for a few days. Uh, I was sick as a dog the entire time. <laughs> I did. Look, I'll say this. I did not have a good time when I was in Paris. I really, I don't know what it was. I'm, I'm not sure if it was my frame of mind at the time. I'm not sure if it was because I was sick. Uh, I, I have no idea what it was. I'm not sure if it was jet lag. But the city was, I don't know. I just wasn't into it. I mean, and we went there so i i went there with my with my uh my partner um she really wanted to go and i mean she loved paris she loves paris i just uh, i wish i could have enjoyed it a little more i do feel like a lot of it was because i was sick i mean when you're sick and on a trip it is not a good time and on the way back uh I ended up, I'm not sure if I popped an eardrum or whatever it was, but because I was so stuffed up, when the plane was landing, it screwed up one of my ears. 
for the next month. For the next month, it felt like there was something stuck in my ear and I, I couldn't get it out. Eventually, whatever it was went away, thank God. But yeah, the the, the trip was not a good time for me. Didn't leave a lasting impression on me. Um, but now that we've seen what happened, I, I feel like I, I, I should have appreciated it, it more when I was there. Because there's this massive lineup to get into the cathedral. Uh, it's sort of a pain in the ass. Luckily, we were able to kind of cut the line a little bit. Um, there was an opening that uh, someone let us in, so we went in and, and, and saw it. And look, it's massive, it's beautiful. But yeah, you sort of have to be in the right frame of mind to really enjoy something like that. And I just didn't think, I didn't feel like I was. But now that I've seen this damage and... Uh, I don't know. It's it's one of these things where, th- I mean, you feel because of the because of the history that is so tied into the Notre Dame Cathedral and how it's really been a staple of of not just you know Paris but you know worldwide the, the staple of of uh, what man can do and our culture and our history it's sort of a a reminder of just the fact that this is not going to be here forever not just the cathedral everything i mean all of this is going to be gone at some point and sure that may mean you know in a few thousand years it may mean a couple million years but all of this is impermanent which really means you have to enjoy life as it comes at you. You have to enjoy what you do. And that's a situation that not many people are in. And it's it's not because of their own, you know, fault most of the time. It's because of the just the society that we live in. It's because of capitalism. I mean, if you're born into a family that is poor and you live in a not so great area, it is hard to get out of that. And when you're stuck into that, you have less you have less opportunity. You have less of a chance of getting out of that situation. And I don't I don't think that makes sense. I mean, why do we set up a society where so much of your life is based on luck? So much of your life is based on where you are born what family you're born into. I mean, I just don't think that makes any sense. So I don't want to get into a deep conversation here about socialism and the potential for where we can and maybe should go as a society, where we should move towards. Because look, it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, It likely won't happen even in my lifetime. But we can build a system we can rebuild this system into something that actually makes sense. But yeah, that was, uh, uh, again, I'm not not sure what else to say about the cathedral. Um, I feel like it'll be rebuilt and it'll look great once again. But yeah, that site yesterday was, was sort of, uh, I don't know, unnerving. One more thing before I go to these uh, segments, Bernie's town hall. So Bernie had a town hall on Fox News 
which I'm going to cover uh, actually today. So I got to break all the clips down. But I want to give you a little preview because this is this was magnificent. So we're going to go from Notre Dame, a terrible fire to something fantastic. If you watch this Fox News town hall, oh my God, Bernie Sanders killed it. Now, I did have a couple issues with uh, his responses, uh, or I should say one or two of his responses, but largely, man, he took it to Fox News, to Donald Trump, and he was gracious to the audience. I mean, this is this this town hall really showed you how genuine Bernie Sanders is. Because when he was angry at the host, you saw it, and he didn't hold back. He was honest about how he felt about about the questions, how he felt about Fox News. But then when you have somebody in the, in the audience ask him about uh, socialism or ask him about health care, he knows how to how to be a human being and speak to people's misinformation or speak to these serious issues that they're going through. And he communicates that effectively. I mean, you look at the... I just want to mention, I don't want to spoil my, my upcoming video too much, but there's one moment in this town hall the uh, when Brett Bayer asks the audience, how many of you have private uh, insurance from your employer? And like half the room put, put their hands up. And then he asks them the second question. How many of you uh, would rather switch to Medicare for all than keep your private insurance plan? And he's asking this question thinking that, you know, the people, the, the crowd's going to reject it and, uh, and not want Medicare for all. But no, every single person, if not more, <laughs> every single person that raised their hand saying they have private insurance, put their hand back up because they want Medicare for all. It was an incredible moment. And you see Brett Baer make that shift. Talk. He goes, he doesn't even react. He doesn't react to how the audience uh, was responded to, to that second question. And instead, he makes the turn to, oh, well, you know, 160 million people are going are gonna to lose their health insurance. Like, that's, you saw Fox News at work there. Because they were, the entire time, they were trying to battle the audience, which was totally on Bernie Sanders' side. And look, Watch the town hall. The, the, a couple questions came from conservatives. This wasn't like this place wasn't packed with Bernie supporters. The, Brett Baer said it's a mix of Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, progressives. I mean, he was open and honest about who's in the group. Yeah, it's it's a mix of, of of everyone. Which I should say, you know, at least good on Fox News for not just putting a bunch of I don't know Fox News hosts and employees in in the audience. But um, you saw there. I mean, this is the the heart of Pennsylvania, and. This is Trump country, and Bernie Sanders is getting cheers for the topics, for the policies that he's bringing up. And uh, one more spoiler, because I have to talk about this. The end, at the end of the town hall, Bernie Sanders is talking about his platform, He's and th this is all organic. I mean, he, he, he talks about, uh, or the, the, way he, the way he sets up his closing statement is he says, should we live in a country where uh, veterans have their health care paid for that they earned, and then the audience responds, yes. And then he goes through the whole thing. He, he talks about, I think he talks about um, raising taxes on the rich. People are like, yes, raise taxes on the rich. It, it, it goes through the whole thing, and the audience is like singing along with his platform. And this is on Fox News. And then you, you see the response from Trump today. Actually, let me bring it up. Trump, Trump put out a tweet today. Um, 
on this town hall, which he he watched and clearly was unnerved by. So Trump tweeted out at uh, 10, 11 a.m. today, April 16th, says, so, uh, quote, so weird to watch crazy Bernie on Fox News. Not surprisingly, Brett Baer and the audience, he put audience in quotes <laughs> for some reason, Brett Baer and the audience was so smiley and nice. Very strange. And now we have Donna Brazil. This tweet, oh, I could do a video on just this tweet alone. <laughs> okay, so he's still using the crazy Bernie line. Okay. Uh, but th- this is the part that really, I mean, it's Trump, so it shouldn't surprise you that his tweet makes no sense. But he says here, not surprisingly, Brett Baer in the audience was so smiley and nice. Very strange. Okay, wait. How is something not surprising, but also very strange? Uh, th- the-, the whole tweet really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so... <laughs> He appears to be trying to question whether this this was an actual audience. I'm not again. I'm not sure why audience is in quotes. Uh, and then Donna Brazil, Donna Brazil, who leaked a, a town hall question to Hillary Clinton during the Democratic primary in 2016. That's supposed to mean that it's it's a plus for Bernie. Like I, I don't, I, I you can't really connect all of these dots here because there, there is no connection. Trump is just a, a series of of uh, I don't know. A series of like individual thoughts that, when put together, don't really form any coherent thoughts or any any coherent th- sentence. And now I'm in the process, sound like Trump as well, in, in this uh, saying what I'm trying to say in explaining Trump's tweet. But my God, so watch um my coverage of that tomorrow. And uh, yeah, let me get to these segments now since I'm recording this. This is has been way too long. So coming up now. Pelosi belittles AOC wing of the party, followed by Eric Swalwell's loony 2020 plan for bipartisanship. You have these wings, AOC and her group on one side. That's like five people. During an interview with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes, Nancy Pelosi once again maligned progressive Democrats. So I'm going to show you this clip and (laughs) I'm going to have to debunk again. The same BS narrative that continues to be pumped out of these corporate Democrats. And I also have to debunk the stupid questions that Nancy Pelosi was also given here. So watch the clip and uh, I'll come back and break this all down. So you are contending with a group in Congress over here on the left flank are these self-described socialists. On the right, these moderates. And you yourself said that you're the only one who can unify everybody. And the question is, can you? By and large, uh, whatever orientation they came to Congress with, they know that we have to hold the center, that we have to go down the mainstream. They know that? They do. But it doesn't look like that. It looks as if it's fractured. She likes to minimize the conflicts within her caucus between the moderates and the progressives. You have these wings, AOC and her group on one side. That's like five people. No, it's the progressive group. It's more than five. I'm a progressive. All right. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is so completely out of touch. And it's really a combination of things. She's completely out of touch, but she is also completely consumed by her big donors, by her corporate donors. That is the actual disagreement here. So first, let me start with Leslie Stahl. So 
Leslie Stahl, uh, during her questions, she says a couple of dumb things that really don't frame these questions properly. So uh, she says here, quote, uh, self-described socialists talking about or apparently trying to talk about, you know, uh, AOC and other uh, Justice Democrats like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. The only one of those, uh, okay, maybe I'm wrong here. As far as I've seen, only AOC has considered herself to be a democratic socialist. So again, first of all, we're talking about democratic socialists versus socialists. The reason uh, for that distinction is to separate uh, the idea of authoritarian socialism from democratic socialism. So when AOC is talking about democratic socialism, she doesn't want people to think about authoritarian socialism. That is that is why that distinction is made. We're talking about socialism within a democracy. Now, again, I've only seen AOC consider herself to be a democratic socialist. Maybe Ilhan Omar, maybe Rashida Tlaib has said this. I haven't seen it. I could be wrong. But again, we're talking about democratic socialism. Leslie Stahl also says, uh, when asking uh, Nancy Pelosi about unifying, can you unify the party? I hate this question because it doesn't set the terms of what that means. Unify behind what? Unify behind what corporate donors want or unify behind what the American people want? Because as I'm about to show you, there is a massive difference. What Washington, the, the, the unifying within Washington, D.C., is behind the donors. When you look at these national level politicians, they answer to their big donors. When you look at what the American people actually want in terms of look at polling, what they actually want, they want something much, much different than what the party wants, than what DC wants. So you have to be able to define what the actual conversation is about because this unification thing always talks about, I mean, it always appears to be about Oh, yeah, we have to unify the Democratic Party, which for some reason defaults behind corporate Democrats. But why can't unify mean fall in line behind what progressives want, which is what the vast majority of Americans actually want? Which, again, I'm going to show you that. Now, Pelosi. <laughs> so kind of uh, an offshoot of, of what I was just talking about. Pelosi here saying that we have to hold the center. Again, what is the center? the center of Washington, D.C., the center of uh, where corporate money completely controls politics, or the center of the American people. So let me show you the massive difference here. So Medicare for All, which is not at all supported by the majority of uh, Democrats or the majority of politicians in, in, in Washington, obviously. Medicare for All looked at as a very far-left idea, oh, definitely not in the center, is actually an incredibly moderate proposal when you look at what the American people actually want. So here's the data. The vast majority of Americans, 70%, now support Medicare for All, otherwise known as single-payer health care, according to a new Reuters survey. That includes 85% of Democrats and 52% of Republicans. Only 20% of Americans say they outright oppose the idea. So, on the question of Medicare for All, where AOC and these other progressive Democrats are, are called crazy because they support Medicare for All, oh, that's too far left, 70% of Americans support it. And look, you can, you can look at other polls. It's very similar to this. The majority of Americans support 
Medicare for all. They support a universal health care plan. Now let's go to tax rates. So AOC's idea of uh, having the highest marginal tax rate uh, at 70%, so any, any money made over $10 million a year should be taxed at 70%. That's one of the ideas that AOC has raised and was called, oh, crazy left. Oh, just an insane idea. Can't possibly do that. It's too, way too crazy. But when you actually poll the American people, it's not crazy. It's supported by the vast majority of Americans. So looking at this uh, poll from The Hill and Harris X, 59% support from registered voters for raising the highest tax rate to 70%. Now, the question here isn't even framed perfectly. I mean, look again at this question. Would you support raising the highest tax rate to 70%? That doesn't really define what the actual proposal is. The idea of taxing 70% on any money made over $10 million. And even still, even without that, even with this imperfect framing, 59% of Americans still support this. Now, if you actually properly ask this question with the, with the right details, it's very likely that would be even higher for support. Now, let's look at another issue, money and politics. This one, I think, speaks for itself. I would hope anybody watching this video, unless you're a lobbyist or a billionaire yourself, you understand and want to do something about the effect of money in politics, corporate money and, and wealthy donors impacting politics. And when we look at what people want out of a Supreme Court pick, this uh, story from last year, poll, voters want Trump's Supreme Court pick to limit corporate money in politics, not abortion. Abortion may be dominating the headlines, but voters thinking about Trump's potential Supreme Court pick care more about Citizens United, a new Daily Beast slash Ipsos poll finds. By overwhelming majorities, voters in each political party said they opposed the Supreme Court's 2010 Citizens United decision to allow businesses and corporations to spend without, uh, without limit on political campaigns. In all, 64% of respondents said they wanted Trump to pick a Supreme Court nominee who would, quote, limit the amount of money corporations and unions can spend on political campaigns. That included 70% of Democrats and a remarkable 67% of Republicans alongside 60% of Independents. Just 24% of all respondents said they did not want a Supreme Court nominee to curb that right. Now, this is another issue that is not a main topic of discussion, and it should be. So you have this, I mean, go back in time to when the Supreme Court, when this whole discussion was going on. Nobody in the mainstream press was talking about how the majority of Americans want a Supreme Court pick to curb money in politics. Nobody was having that discussion. No, nobody in media, nobody in the Democratic Party, except for some progressives, nobody was talking about this issue. But the vast majority of Americans, the majority of Democrats and Republicans want a Supreme Court pick that will curb money in politics. But this is not a discussion. This is not what you're hearing from Nancy Pelosi, uh, let alone what you're hearing from, from uh, Republicans. But again, this shows you the difference here. This shows you what the center actually is. The center of the country wants to raise taxes on the richest. The center of the country wants to get money out of politics. The center of the country wants Medicare for all. That's what the center of the country is.
when Nancy Pelosi talks about the center or unifying the party, she's talking about unifying behind a message that is acceptable to her corporate donors. Now, I also, uh, I want to show this clip. So I did a video on this clip, I think it was last month or two months ago, where CNN has this uh, this regular interview with these bunch of, uh, of Democratic voters to ask them how they feel about certain Democratic issues. And one of the questions that came up was about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, you have so you didn't see the rest of this uh, of this panel, but let me tell you, these are not all progressives on this this panel. These these voters are, I think, only two of them on here uh, support Bernie for twenty twenty. The rest of them support very moderate <laughs> Democrats for twenty twenty. But when Alexandria Ocasio Cortez came up, this is how they reacted. One more question for you guys, um, yeah. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Your are you thoughts. Sure? She's a badass. Yeah. Man. Oh my badass God. Yay. I love yes. her. Wow. What I mean, a woman. Amazing. And Again. Yes. I mean, she's asking the right questions. She, I don't feel like she's playing games. I'm ex so excited about her. She is smart. She is intelligent. And I cannot wait to see what else she does. Well, I know and she's you know, got too, the Democratic Party nervous. And I mean, oh, in yeah. a way, they should be nervous. Sure. Because, you know, she, she yeah. does represent the the new the new guard, the new generation. I think she really kind of personifies, you know, where we expected Ooh. things to go. She's the Kennedy of the future. She has got this mm. down pat. And she has also nailed it in, as a woman in a male-dominated field. This is how we women in the male-dominated fields, we have to work like this all the time. She is the candidate of the future. She Get ready for her, because she's coming. Look at how giddy they are about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This is who Nancy Pelosi is trying to silence. Nancy Pelosi does not care about Democratic voters. That's not what she's protecting. She doesn't care what's best for the people. She doesn't care, uh, not even really about winning. Nancy Pelosi, her only, her only purpose here is to protect big Democratic donors and Democratic consultants. That's her entire job. That's what she does. So don't fall, don't fall for this BS you hear in, in the media, in the media at large, in mainstream press, about how Nancy Pelosi is this, oh, this amazing Democrat, this, this progressive Democrat that, that's working for the people. It's all complete BS. All you have to do is look at the actual facts. Nancy Pelosi does not push any progressive ideas. She doesn't push Medicare for all. She's actively working against Medicare for all. She's not trying to raise taxes to 70% on the wealthy. She does, she does the opposite. She supports the opposite. Nancy Pelosi is the opposite of a progressive, yet she calls herself in this interview a progressive. I don't even know how she defines that word, but I mean, just look at the information. Look at the data. Look at what the vast majority of Americans support and look at where Nancy Pelosi is. Nancy Pelosi is to the right. Nancy Pelosi, when you look at the actual issues and how and what the American people support, Nancy Pelosi is a right winger. Now, that line will shock, especially conservatives. Oh my God, Nancy Pelosi, you're right winger. Oh, you're crazy. Look at the actual polling. It's obvious that Nancy Pelosi is a right winger. Her entire job is to protect the wealthy. And all you have to do, I mean, look at look at Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary Clinton was the perfect Pelosi-style Democrat. And she lost to Donald Trump. So that strategy of 
corporate Democrats failed in 2016. Yet they continue trying to revive it and fight for that, even though it is dead. That is a dead strategy. So why would they be doing that? They're only doing that to protect their donors and their consultants. They do not care about what's best for the people, and they also don't even care about winning. So I pledge to lead our country with a team of rivals. Democrat Eric Swalwell has now entered the race for 2020. This list of losers is way too big. There are two, three, maybe four people on this list that are actually interesting, that are actually offering something. The rest of them are all throwaways. Eric Swalwell is a throwaway. There is absolutely, first of all, no way he can win this race. But there's also nothing he's offering. So I want to show you just how empty Eric Swalwell is. So during a, uh, a rally, look at what he said about how he's going to work with Republicans in, uh, or when he becomes president. I'm the son of two Republicans. I married a Hoosier from southern Indiana who grew up in Penn's country. I've worked with Republicans my whole life, reaching across the dinner table and reaching across the aisle. I go on Fox News just so most of my family can see me on TV. We must unite our deeply divided country. So I pledge to lead our country with a team of rivals, a blended cabinet of Republicans and Democrats. Not because it'll be easy. And we may have to send out a search party to find more Republicans who can put country over party. All right. <laughs> this total effing loser. He wants to put Republicans and Democrats in his cabinet. Now, look, if you don't follow politics at all, you may think, oh, this sounds great. He wants to work with both parties. He's going to bring the country together. If, But if you know anything, anything about anything, you would understand that, first of all, both these parties just work for their big corporate donors, the vast majority of them, especially the Republicans, but also most Democrats. But the idea that you're going to put Republicans and Democrats together to, to what? Work for who? All they're going to do is answer to their donors together. All it's going to do, all you're going to do is, uh, is have a party that answers for big donors and bigots. Just like politics does right now. I, I don't... This is the, the trouble that I have with, with idiots like this. I don't know if he's dumb, dishonest, or both. I think it's a little of both. But I, because I'm not this person, I couldn't go out there on a stage and give a message that I know is completely full of crap. I have a hard time understanding that or thinking that it's just about him being dumb or just about him, sorry, just about him being a sellout. Because I, I think it's about him being dumb too. Uh, I think it's it's also just this complete total unawareness because his mind is old. This is a guy who 
raises money from big donors. This is a guy who doesn't care about progressive issues, as I'm going to show you about healthcare in a second here. All he cares about is, or he's surrounded by who supports him financially in his campaigns. That's the world that he knows. So he thinks, oh, all right. And also the same kind of guy that watches Morning Joe and thinks, oh, you just got to reach across the aisle, work with the Republican Party, uh, and then it all gonna work. it's all going to work out fine for the American people. Uh, I mean, sure, that just means that we both sell out to fossil fuels, we both sell out to, to the insurance industry, we both sell out to Wall Street, both sell out to Big Pharma. But at the end of the day, Republicans and Democrats working together, that's what matters. Who gives a fuck about what it means for the American people as long as we're working together? That's all they do. If all you... If the only exposure you have to American politics is through mainstream press, you may think, oh, Republicans and Democrats never get along. Oh, they don't, they don't, they they can't pass any bills. Complete crap. They pass shit all the time. <laughs> but the stuff they do is in the best interest of their corporate donors. So when you hear about the disagreements, they're largely minor disagreements. I mean, Look back to Obamacare on healthcare. He didn't even bring a, a single payer option to the table. He only brought the public option to the table and still had to strip his plan of that. Look at taxes. Obama continued the uh, the Bush tax cuts for the rich. These parties fight for the same thing, just at different degrees. So Trump is all in in terms of, you know, the fossil fuel industry, uh, big pharma insurance, Wall Street, uh, big donors. The Republican Party is completely all in for these massive donors. The Democrats try to ride the line a little bit. They, they say, OK, well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Tax cut for corporations, but not as big as the tax cut that 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 Trump wants. But, you know, a, a small tax cut for corporations. Yeah, that's OK. All you have to do is look at what they're actually fighting over. And you realize that it's really, they're fighting for the same thing. It's just a matter of how much they're fighting for that. There aren't real disagreements here. Now, that's going to be shocking to a lot of you, but all you have to do is look at what the disagreements are over. And now when you have progressives like AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib actually challenging, and Bernie Sanders, of course, actually challenging the status quo. They hate that because it exposes the lie that you have been told for years that these two parties, oh, they just can't get along when in reality they've been getting along the entire time, just not in your best interest. But now AOC, Bernie Sanders, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ilhan Omar expose, they expose that BS and show you what the real divide is. When you have AOC, Bernie Sanders not taking any corporate money running on what is best for the people, understanding that the vast majority of Americans support Medicare for all, the vast majority want money out of politics, the vast majority want higher taxes on the rich and multinational corporations, but the Democratic Party is not fighting for any of those things. It shows you what the real divide is. The real divide is progressives or democratic socialists versus everyone else, versus corporate-backed politicians. Now, let me also show you this... Uh, this uh, clip from CNN, where Eric Swalwell was on here for an interview, which uh, I, 
these people are so boring. But <laughs> thankfully, this clip uh, is courtesy of Joseph Sakata on Twitter. So he clips things all the time and he has a, a great eye for this stuff. So check him out. Uh, I'll, I'll link to actually his Twitter below if you want to um, give him a follow. But he clipped this piece out of this interview with Jake Tapper. And I just want to show you this because it shows you even when these corporate Democrats support or, or co-sponsor legislation like Medicare for all, they don't really support it. Congressman, with all due respect, the Medicare for all bill that you've co-sponsored would essentially do away with private health insurance. But you're saying you don't agree with it. Why are you co-sponsoring that bill? Well, I do agree with the part of having Medicare access for anyone who wants it, because that would drive down the cost and the private insurers. It's the best bill out there that could do that right now. But being a leader means sitting down and negotiating and finding what works best for everyone. So I don't think it has to be a false choice, uh, Jake. I think it's finding what is better than now, which now is healthcare costs are eating up our paycheck. We're in a free market system. Pre-existing conditions are not being protected by the president. And I will give the American people something better than that. But would you vote for this bill if it came to the floor? If this bill came to the floor, I would offer an amendment to have the public option, just as we had that opportunity uh, back when President Obama was in, but we couldn't get it through the Senate. But this is a good start. And, you know, we shouldn't let the you know perfect be the enemy of the good. And I'm going to give something that's much better than what we have today. But if that amendment didn't pass, would you vote for this bill? Well, I, Jake, I, I, I think this bill as it is, is better than what we have today. But I will have a public option in the law that I sign in. Uh, in the bill that I sign into law as president. All right. This clip shows you two things. First, it shows you that Eric Swalwell does not listen to what the voters want because the voters want 70% of all voters, not just Democrats, 70% of all voters support Medicare for all. Eric Swalwell, despite being a co-sponsor of the Medicare for all bill, does not support Medicare for all. So this also shows you that a corporate Democrat co-sponsor means nothing. If he uh, can co-sponsor a piece of legislation to give him a, a nice talking point on the stump, but doesn't actually support it, then he'll do it. He'll do it because it'll politically benefit him, even though if he comes to power, which he will not, but if he did, he would not actually push for it. Does this stuff need explaining? I just sometimes I feel like I'm I'm just talking to myself <laughs> because I mean this this should be obvious. All you have to do is listen to their words. I mean, they're exposing it themselves. He is a co-sponsor of the Medicare for All bill and does not support Medicare for All. That tells you everything you need to know. This is completely absurd. So Look, I don't know if having these many people in the race is good or not, because honestly, it's taking a lot of air out of discussions that could be ha could be happening on 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 cable news. So, uh, but on the other hand, it can be positive in a sense because idiots like this will split the vote, and that will only benefit progressive candidates, which are fewer in numbers. So maybe it's a good thing that this moron's in here, but I don't understand. Why? I mean, the, the only possible reason Eric Swalwell has to run is because he wants to raise his own profile. So it's all about him being a total narcissist and really nothing more.